Hello and welcome to the Music Works podcast. I'm Katie Beardsworth, Director and Founder of Polyphony Arts, and this week I'm looking at the tricky issue of visas and some of the problems that face non-UK musicians who hope to study or work in the UK, as well as British musicians who hope to tour overseas, most especially now we are no longer a member of the EU. I'll be joined by one of the Polyphony Arts team, Maria Cecilia Adialde Angel, who is also a singer and sound engineer who moved to the UK from Colombia in 2019 to study for a Masters in Cultural and Creative Industries. We'll hear her personal experiences of acquiring the visas that allowed her to enter and remain in the UK and how she dealt with the interesting, if unhelpful, advice to either go for a PhD or get married to help the process along. Unsurprisingly, Maria is our go-to person at Polyphony Arts tasked with providing visa advice and information to our stable of international clients. Stay tuned to find out some helpful resources to help you navigate the pitfalls that face musicians in understanding what visas may be needed and how to go about making a successful application in support of an international performing career. But first, here's a message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment with protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. And, unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. At the moment, Alliance have a special online offer with two months free cover. Not only that, every Alliance music policy now includes free legal assistance and support so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. Alliance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. And now let's go over to the Music Works studio where Maria is waiting to talk to us. Welcome, Maria. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me, Katie. Not at all. Um, so I'm looking forward to this conversation today. So um, this is Maria Cecilia Adialde Angel. And she is a sound engineer and singer and very pleased to say also a member of the Polyphony Arts team. Has been working with us for a few months now as an artist manager. Um, and um we are going to talk today about um, about traveling and touring in music, uh, a hot topic for uh, most of us at the moment. Um, so Maria, you came um, to the UK as a student and have also then transferred to an artist visa, is that right? Correct, yeah. So you, we're, we're here today to talk about your personal experience of, of entering and studying and working in the UK and also um, quite commendably you've then made a study of this uh, and put your extensive experience of visa um, applications to um, to good use and, and this is now something that you're working on with us as well in terms of advising our artists and um, generally getting ahead of the uh, the melee of visa situation that people often find themselves in. <laughs> so for yeah. this thing that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah so um I did. I, I came to the UK in 2019 with a student visa, which is a very straightforward path to move to another country, uh, being a third um, country outside of the EU. And I came here, I did my master's, and while being here, I decided I wanted to stay. But that is 
not an easy step following from that. I remember it was mid lockdown and I was like, I really don't want to leave. What are my options? And I contacted a lawyer, an immigration lawyer in the UK. And she basically told me, look, I'm going to be super straightforward with you. You either do a PhD or you get married. Those are the two options she gave me. And I thought, okay, I don't want to do a PhD and I don't want to get married for a visa. So what, I mean, what can I do? I mean, like reasonable life choices to make. Um, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I just think we haven't mentioned what, um, where you've moved here from. Oh, yeah, that's really important. So I'm Colombian. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I came from South America to England. Uh, well, first, I actually went to Vienna. I was in Austria for a couple of months doing an internship, uh, which, again, pretty straightforward. When it comes to studying, it's pretty straightforward to move to different countries. Mm. Um, but then, so I was presented with these two options that I didn't want to take. Um, so I researched on my own terms any other possible way to stay. Um, um, so yeah, I wanted to stay here because I had already made a big network of contacts in the music industry through my master's, which was in cultural and creative industries. I had a job. I really liked the culture and the city. I live in Brighton and Hove. So I researched on my own terms and I found the path of um, global talent visa. That used to be called um, the tier one visa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has now been modified in, I will have to double check this, but I think 2016 it was changed to a global talent visa. And there are basically two main paths to it. One is the exceptional talent, and the other path is the exceptional promise. The exceptional talent route is for people who are already established in their career. And, um, well, this is clearly a music podcast, but if anyone is listening to us and you have different, um, you have a different profession, the, the global talent visa applies for arts, cultural, film, television, fashion design, and architecture. So basically any profession that lies within these areas could apply for this visa. Um, so the, I was saying that exceptional talent is for those who are uh, established already, have can demonstrate decades of career and have awards, have made like a big award. They include uh, some of these awards as like Nobel prizes and really big prizes. Yeah. And the uh, exceptional promise, which is the one I went with, is for people who are seen as potential leaders. So if you manage to get um, letters or testimonies from leaders in the area or professors that say that you have the talent to become one of those and you will therefore benefit the UK in that area, then you are allowed to apply to this. Wow. So what was the process like then? The, I'm just sort of thinking about my experience of bureaucracy and <laughs> and uh, getting people getting references and letters to prove things. Um, yeah. So yes. Uh, so you decided to go down this route, and then so they ask for, and this is for all the um, categories: if you're fashion or TV or the music path, and the music path also covers um, interpreters the performers, composers, and sound engineers. So basically anyone working within the industry 
you had to get um, three letters of endorsement. One of them had to be from a UK um, organization or a UK leader, and they only accept from like the CEO of the company, foundation, etc. Um, three proofs of media recognition. That means that your name has had to appear in magazines, newspapers, TV programs, etc. Um, and they have to talk about you in depth or your work in depth. It's not just like a list. Mm. Uh, international awards that you've been nominated to, at least. And three proofs of appearances. So that could be like a flyer of a concert. That could be just name dropping what events you've worked in. Um, and then obviously all, all of that has to be translated into English and sent to the Arts Council, which then takes could take any time from one to eight weeks to process. And it was really harsh in my um, particular case because my flatmate and I applied at the same time. She's a graphic designer. <clears throat> and well, she applied like a couple of weeks earlier and she got it in one week or two. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I'm surely going to get it. It took me eight weeks and two days. Oh, gosh. Which was the longest and most stressful time of my life because every email just stopped my heart yeah absolutely so did you have to um did you you know your student visa had by that point was going to expire or you know was this it was expired already yeah yeah gosh yeah so what happened is my visa expired in january but because of covid i was allowed a an extension they had a name for that um yeah so it was like a humanitarian help to not like send me back to Colombia where the situation was definitely worse COVID wise Mm. um and uh in the UK uh if you apply for a visa and your previous visa is expired as long as you're in the process you're still allowed to remain which is something that I have to say is very generous and fair from the UK so I was in a position where if I got that first step denied, I had a week to leave the country. So I basically had cardboard boxes above my closet yeah. ready to pack and just leave, which was nerve-wracking for me and my partner. It was mm. really intense. But then after that first step... Uh, where you get or not the endorsement of the Arts Council, because the Arts Council is not a entity that could give you a visa. They can give you an official endorsement. Mm-hmm. That when that with that endorsement, you can go to the Home Office and apply for the visa itself, which is another step that could take from one to eight weeks. Yeah. So because I was not ready to live another eight weeks of despair and extreme anxiety, there is a fast track route that you can take by paying extra and I did that and I got my visa in two days wow so yeah do you mind my asking how much you had to pay <clears throat> so in total for the whole process without now I'm going to put like with the translation of the documents with paying the arts council the first step with paying for the second part of the visa and we have to pay um uh health insurance surcharge because we're immigrants it was about five thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah. Good grief. Yeah. So it's, the ability um, to for so the ability for us to welcome um 
artists of um, exceptional promise into the country is not without its price then. Exactly. Um, I do have to clarify, you can apply for this visa for any time between one to five years. Mm. I applied for five years, so that's why it's more expensive. It would have been less if it's less years because I yeah. wouldn't have to pay for the NHS of those years. Um, but yeah, so it yeah. it comes with a high with a high price. Absolutely. So, well, thank you for sharing this with us. So, is it, I mean, what do you, I'm just wondering, what would you, <laughs> what would you say to people who are perhaps going through this process? And by the way, I will say that we're going to, we will then, we'll talk about the the research you've been doing into touring and, you know, how your, uh, your deep knowledge of these processes is being applied <laughs> to other circumstances that musicians are going to find themselves in. But, um, you know, what's, uh, what's the takeaway for those people who are stuck in, in earlier in the process than you? Well, I think, first of all, when you read the um, documentation and the guides of the, this visa, it makes it seem like it's really impossible to get. Mm. Because it's like, we don't accept this, we don't accept this and that. But then if you contact the Arts Council directly, they will let you know, oh, yeah, we make exceptions. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely fine. Oh, after COVID, we don't need wet stamps, for example. So don't be disencouraged by the, like, law lingo that is in these documents. Because it is, you, you can get it. I got it. My flatmate got it. I know a couple of people who got it who are very talented. And obviously, you do have to go through a filter, which is having all these documents. Which not everyone has them. But it is completely obtainable. And second of all, if it takes eight weeks, don't get stressed. That doesn't mean that you're not going to get it. <laughs> I was going through that. I was reading. I, I did the worst I could do, which was writing in forums. It's taking seven weeks and a half. What does that mean? And then people, no, it's denied. It's, yeah. Oh, God. Don't do <laughs> Yeah. It was, like trying yeah, to it predict was the outcome of anything based on these sort of, um, barely tangible things that are going on <laughs> exactly it's like when you feel a bit ill and you google your symptoms and then it's the most yeah. horrible thing ever that's... <laughs> yeah that's not a good idea <laughs> yeah. yeah um and then in terms of that the investments of the money it, it is a lot of money to pay up front but how i see it for me um individually it is an investment on my life and on my future because as much as I love Colombia and it's a wonderful country and I'll never get tired of saying how amazing it is. It is very complicated as an artist and especially as a female sound engineer to be successful economically. Mm -hmm. um, we have a really wonderful culture, but a really unfortunate corrupt government for many, many years. Taxes get stolen education money for education gets stolen so it's really frustrating to try and make a living in a country like that especially in my profession so for me investing five thousand pounds which also go for nhs um tax so in in my head i think okay this money i hope is going to the nhs so that's amazing i hope um <laughs> me too um yeah, so for me, thinking that is in the amount of time that I stay in the UK in these five years, making money in pounds, I'm going to make that up 
quite quickly. Like it's, yeah. it's going to work at the end as an investment for me. So it does seem like a high price to pay, but if that's where you think your goals and your life is, then it's worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. We all make investments into our, our lives and our futures, don't we? But some more than others, obviously. <laughs> Um, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that um, that story. Um, so yeah, and I, obviously um, this is something we talked about when you started working, when we started working together, and um, you kindly volunteered to be our visa expert and uh, <laughs> yeah. delve into all thing, all of the nitty gritty that people um, often avoid and and all kind of go, oh, I don't really want to touch that. And you've already mentioned the the language, and you know there are so many reasons why it's. Um, not a good not a good and enjoyable thing for people to deal with so here you are willing to tackle it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so yeah. visas is a very is a very tricky subject because when you're planning a tour an international tour you obviously plan different countries and the legislation and the requirements for each country is different it doesn't matter if the country is within the eu the eu does not have a unified visa system for artist purposes they do have a unified system of the eu blue card which is a work visa that is permanent it's like i think up to five ten years but that's completely different that is if you want to make your living in the eu as x job but if you just want to do a tour and stay in a country for a couple of days a couple of weeks you have to read the guidance of every single country um so i've been working um, on a guide that will allow us to understand, will allow musicians to read quickly in a couple of sentences what they need. Um, the information from the EU visa requirements has been taken mainly, and I've investigated mainly through the UKEartsWork.info. That's a um, website from, an, from a British guy that's called Ian Smith. Ian Smith. Yeah, and he is um, he is British, but he lives in Vienna, and he has a company where he basically helps people and helps bands um, with all the legal stuff to tour around. And basically, his whole attitude and motto, and he's super kind of, he's very open to share this information for free because what he basically wants to do is just like say he did not agree with Brexit, and he's like, I'm just gonna help people for free because this is unfair mm. for, for musicians. Um, yeah, so I've put together um, the whole list of countries in Europe that people from the UK could travel to or the requirements they need. Basically now, as a UK citizen, you have the same requirements as any, uh, it's called third country because it's outside of the EU, so it's the third person in this relationship. Um, some countries allow you to go visa-free, no problem. That is mostly for like, some countries allow it for two weeks if you're going to work, 14 days. Some weeks allow your entire stay of 90 days in a period of 180 days uh, per year to go and you can take part of these activities. Uh, some countries allow it to do if you're not getting paid, but if you're getting paid, then you need to get a visa. So it, it does change. 
for every country. And now we're working as well. I'm working in polyphony on a guide of every American country in the continent of America, so North, Central and South America, because that's a whole other world as well. Wow, absolutely. So in Europe then, um, do the requirements in Europe, across countries in Europe, differ as much as the requirements across countries in the, in the Americas, say? Yeah. So every yeah. country, it's like their own... I mean, every country is their own country. And yeah. they have... Um, I'm going to put an example. Um, if you want to work and do just one date of concert in Lithuania, you need to get a visa. And the mm -hmm. process takes one month. Correct? Uh, but if you want to work, um, for example, in Italy, you can work up to 90 days and just take a permit. So not a visa, but a permit. But if you want to work in Spain, you need to, you don't need a visa, but you must register when you arrive in Spain and get an NIE number. So you, you have to have these things super clear before so, you decide yeah. the tour, I would say. Yeah, exactly. So like this must have the most incredible um impact on like artistic license and ability to organize a tour because you know like it's hard enough organizing a tour across a continent um or across the world so that the dates match up and the travel isn't too ridiculous and the you know you're getting into the right places and the right venues want you at the right time and the right price and all those kinds of things and then the logistics to do with visas are actually as onerous as any of that would you say yeah, I think um, visas are just an overcomplication to every thing you want to organize. Um, because it's in some tours, it even happens that you have you already have your tour in mind, you're already there, and you have, I don't know, let's say you're traveling from country A to C, and country B is in the middle, and while the tour is going on, you get an invitation for a day that works perfectly for you to go through. And that yeah. happens a lot, because if... Yeah. cities nearby or countries nearby see the success of your act they will want to have you while you're near with a complicated visa system that could not happen Absolutely. i mean if you're lucky and it's one of these countries that you just can go then fine but for example in sweden you have to be the visa or the permit that you get has to be through an organizer so you have to be invited by an established organizer mm. Yeah, so just the the implications for flexibility are just endless, aren't they? Um, yes. And you're right. It's interesting as a as a programmer, I've often found that um, the tension between organising too far in advance and obviously too close to the wire is, is 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 like either one of those things has its has its cons. But the the benefits of occasionally having um, an unexpected gap in your schedule is that a really great opportunity comes up and someone is in the area. Um, that you didn't know about or you know that is um, the next big thing and you you just t artistically to be able to respond to opportunities like that um, yeah it's very important yeah um, of course if you are like a really well recognized act um, yeah. I don't know, if you're like incredibly famous like Lady Gaga level there are exceptions to visas and a lot of these countries even um, on their migration website explain if you're really recognized and there's obviously a, a different treatment to you. But the majority of people out here trying to tour in Europe yeah. and America are not in that level and definitely won't be dealing it themselves if you're in that high up level. 
Well, this is the thing, because if you're in the higher level, I mean, there is a point at which people have tour managers. I mean, we, we do this for, for people. We organise tours. It It's exceptionally time-consuming, and it costs a lot of money um, to pay somebody with the expertise and experience to organise a tour for you. So if you're not at a certain level, that's not really available. Um, and then, yeah, and then we don't get the... Um, the uh, up and coming, the next generation. You know, how do you make? How do you make that? Um, at what point do you reach that stage where you're like, this is no longer a, a logistical complete nightmare? <laughs> yeah, and I mean to add on top of that, this past years was of course travel restrictions from COVID. Yeah. So you could get all your visa paperwork done, and then restrictions would come in place. And the majority of visas are not extendable with COVID. Like if you had your visa, yeah. and COVID hit. Good luck you need to apply again yeah it's crazy isn't it um i always think i i think there's a slightly weird shift in the world that's happened when you look at potentially booking a holiday and like websites are like here are the green list countries and you're like is this how we choose now where we travel yeah. to <laughs> exactly um, yeah we, we're yeah. all wired now yeah. with um covid traveling yeah absolutely so um how about then people wanting to travel into the uk to perform this is also a conversation that we've had with clients so obviously for people traveling into the uk from outside the eu presumably nothing has changed um yeah apart from covid i mean you know that (laughs) yeah definitely so um there are two types of uh, passports let's say um and that changes the way to approach performing in the UK. Some people are non-visa nationals. Some nationalities, like European, EU nationalities, or outside, like um, I think Americans from the United States, Brazilians, do not require a visa to visit the UK as tourists. Mm. Those people are referred as non-visa nationals. And there are different paths, depending on what they need. if they just want to come for one month and they are invited by a UK or UK based client to perform and are paid by a UK source, you don't need a visa. That's absolutely permitted. Um, you can also come for three months without a visa, but you would need a certificate of sponsorship by a licensed sponsor that invites you to the UK. And six months without a visa, if you are performing at a permit-free festival, there's a list of permit-free festivals uh, under immigration rules, and those are big festivals like Glastonbury to Lionborn. You will find all the lists there. Yeah. Um, however, if you are going to do anything else out of those um, periods of time or those specific activities, you will need a visa and um go to that now. If you're a visa requiring national, so Colombian, for example, there are two paths that you can take to come to the UK to work. One of them is if you're not getting paid. So if you're just performing as a uh, voluntarily, then you need to apply to a standard visitor visa, which is nearly £100. And it, in theory, says takes two weeks to process. And I say in theory, uh, because uh, of COVID, all the visa applications have been delayed extremely. 
and sometimes you will not know about this. I say it from personal um, experience. I tried to bring my mother in Christmas on Christmas. I haven't seen her in two years. We applied for the visa with plenty of time. We had like three or four weeks. Her application took to, to two and a half months, so she couldn't come. Oh, uh, but no warning, no refund, no, oh, do you want a different date? No. Just, she got the visa two and a half months later. So the visa was dated for in the past? So the visa is for six months. Okay. So she, we had uh, put in the application that um, she was going to come from the 20th of December to the 6th of January. She got her visa like on the 20th of January till July. So right. fortunately, now we're going to try to bring her in summer. Yeah. But still. So the, the, the point not, here is yeah. <laughs> over plan and apply yeah. way earlier. Another good tip is um, some countries will give you a visa, even if you're just going to perform for two dates, you will need to apply for like a six month visa, mm. apply as soon as you can and make sure that your dates fit into this six month bracket. But if you need to tell them, like they're going to tell you, you can only apply minimum three months before the trip. It doesn't matter. Put different dates as long as it's covered in the bracket, uh, okay, because you yeah. can save yourself from this problem. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's the standard visitor if you're not getting paid. If you are getting paid, then you need to apply for a permitted paid engagement visitor that is granted maximum for one month. Uh, and there's a list of uh, requirements that you need to fulfill. One of them is being a professional artist, entertainer, or musician coming to carry an activity related to that profession. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and you are allowed to get paid under that route. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. It's um, <laughs> normally at this point I ask, um, uh, you know, guests for for advice for those listening. You've given you've been imparting like fantastic advice and information um, throughout this episode um, about the various uh, ways to navigate an incredibly complicated and artistically limiting um, system. Do you have any rounding thoughts or anything that we've not talked about? Um, well, I think this is more um, like a deeper thought thinking about like the global situation right now, but it's always good to have it. Mm. It's um, this reality that UK musicians have now to tour is a reality that most of the musicians in the world have if you're not privileged enough to be in the EU. So I think it's worth to like think as a community of musicians. Um, I don't know to what level we can have some impact, but to try and unite and to try and think how we can, I don't know, maybe ask our governments of a specific country to make an exception for touring or to make an exception for artistic purposes, because this is just, very recent for the UK citizens, but this has been a reality for many, many people. And lately, uh, a lot of countries have been waiving and making exceptions for tours or for artists with an exhibition or something. So it is not impossible. Yeah, there are there are examples of countries that have understood the the fluctuating and flexible nature of um, of artistic and cultural touring, aren't there? Um, yeah including, I think I'm right in saying, the uh, relationship that the US has with the EU. 
um, because there was a bone of contention for UK musicians that um, yeah. there was a, there was a deal, there was a template for mm-hmm. a deal that could have been replicated for UK citizens to go into Europe and tour, and uh, that didn't happen. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't like each country obviously will have a syndicate or a group of musicians or a musicians union like here. So yeah. if we have listeners from many different places of the world, then it would be a good discussion to have. How can we make it easier for other people, other artists to come to our country, but also for us to tour and go around? It would be ideal to have something like an artist passport or something like that, that it's given just for the duration of your tour. Uh, it would absolutely and just thinking about what you've, you've mentioned a few times the need for um organizations to be um compliant with this to be able to write references and letters of invitation to be on certain lists of approved festivals or organizations that can that have certain rights that can kind of request you know um sponsor artists or um even have exceptions made like you mentioned the big festivals in the uk where there is an exception made if you are working for them it would be amazing to see that filter down a lot more um because this whole yeah. conversation for me has resonated with a, a, a conversation that i have with a lot of people all the time about these sort of perceived hierarchies within the music industry and how it yeah. seems that everything becomes easier once you reach a certain level but actually this level is very intangible it's very hard to know what it means it's very hard to know when you've achieved it do you know what i mean yeah um, and it's a level that is very like um I, I idealized and glorified, mm. but we don't take into consideration all the sacrifice that takes take there and all the like when my friends back in uni made bands and they did concerts and then ten people went to their concerts. I was like, how do you think these big bands are made? Mm. And that's through your friends going to your concerts at the beginning and like gathering people. So it's like taken to a bigger Scale if we don't allow small or growing artists to tour around and to show the art globally, how are we fostering the next generation of big talent, right? Absolutely. And also, how are we fostering the need for understanding of people across the world? Because it's actually through culture and exchanging of ideas and art that we understand each other. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And just just thinking how um, for a lot of Colombian bands are not that successful in Colombia, but they are very successful in Europe mm-hmm. because it's music that is different, that is out of the norm, that has rhythms and combinations that people have never heard before. Mm-hmm. And that's a super good tool to have as an artist to think, where is my audience? that is has been completely unexposed to this kind of music and would really like to hear it but also how can i get it there because on a different research that i'm doing with polyphony the world today with streaming is easy to get your music sent through mm. but it's really not cost effective for the artists you get paid like pennies yeah for millions and millions of reproductions so what if you make your like a super big fan base in a different continent but then the travel restrictions and the visa restrictions make it so hard for you to go and actually make money from that Mm. yeah absolutely 
there's a, a complication with, I mean, it's the different parts of the world are, as you've already said, very different in terms of success levels for different types of music. I remember I once had a really interesting conversation with a composer who um, lived and worked in South Africa about representation. And I said to him, at the time, our polyphony contacts were very UK focused, um, mm -hmm. less so now. And I said to him, I don't know if I'm the right fit for you because my um, contacts are mainly in the UK and America, um, in the US and not really um, not in Africa, not in South Africa, not, you know, in that part of the world. And he said, that's what I want from you because my closest, like, cultural centre from South Africa is, like, London and parts of the US. Um, yeah. Which was really interesting. He was like, I have the South African contract contacts. Like, that's 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 not what I need. And I thought, it yeah. just, and you know, this is in, in definitely my perspective being as I've always lived and worked in one place, but it had not occurred to me at that point that people's target areas are so far away from where they are, depending on where they are and what their mm -hmm. niche is. And, you know, I hear the same a lot about contemporary music, uh, as it's contemporary classical music, is that there is London, according to some people that I speak to, London is the place to go if you want to be part of a contemporary classical music scene and possibly some parts of America as well. But I just think, I don't know, this that in itself is problematic, isn't it? Because, you know, if we then restrict travel in and out of those places, then it becomes elitist and difficult. And also there's so many places in the world and, you know, what is going on? That, sorry, I'm not making a very good point here, but there's something something that makes me angry in my head about how different places can be so um, perceived so differently and, and not um, valued, I suppose. Yeah, well, it is true that like some places are like creative clusters for a specific yeah. um, genre. So I would say like Vienna, obviously, it's a super mm. strong cluster for classical music. Um, New York is a creative cluster, London. Yeah. And those places exist for a reason, obviously high um economic ability you know people have a lot of money in these areas but also like there's a history to it and a different mentality in these places mm. um i think it's really key to like if you want to allow a flux of ideas coming in and ideas coming out it's really important that the uk after brexit also allows this openness like, mm. if the UK is going to put restrictions on every country to come in and work, then every country is going to do the same back, you yeah. know? So it's it's really important that this openness in certain situations works both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thinking about what um, musicians themselves can do with this fairly um, unpleasant situation, we can know more about visas, which you've kindly shared with us, um, and kind of accept and acknowledge the that you know if we want to do certain things, there is admin involved, and it is and costs, and it's hard, and that an attempt not to be put off if it's at all possible. Um, but also, we can stay in our. I feel like we can stay focused in our knowledge that this is really important because the problem with having high costs and lots of barriers to things is they start to feel unimportant. We start to make choices like maybe it's not important for me to take my music to, you know, 
rural Spain, or maybe it's not important yeah. for um, me, uh, for, for me as a, for you as a Colombian artist to bring your music here because it's, you know, too difficult. These are all the decisions that people could make and that has a really negative impact on the world. Um, and so I suppose we can acknowledge that and, and know that we can, um, we can't necessarily change it completely, but we can um, know that we're all in it together, if that's not too much of a cheesy thing to say. Yeah, um, and I think that the citizens, like musicians in their country, have a citizen power. Yeah. Um, well, as long as it's obviously a democracy. Um, that you can ask your politicians or your senators or however it works in your country mm. to be more flexible. Because imagine there's a, a band touring in Europe. They're definitely going to try and go to the places that are easier to go. And that's going to leave out some countries. So... Mm. For example, if you always need a visa to go to Lithuania, well, then bands are just not going to tour in Lithuania. That's it. They're going to skip it. Yeah. And that's a really big loss for the culture, the people, the fans who live there. Mm. And it's going to start excluding some key points um, that are blossoming culturally. Vilnius, the capital of Lithuania, is mm. growing exponentially. Mm. And they're going to be missing out because regulations are so strong for coming musicians that people are just going to take them off the tour. Yeah, yeah. So if, if you can address your, in the UK, your MP, and ask, mm -hmm. look, um, as a community of musicians, we are seeing how these regulations are having this effect. We would like to take this up. Mm. Maybe that could have... Absolutely. And there is a campaign and I'll have to research it and put it in the show notes later, but there is a campaign to do with touring and Brexit. I know the MU in the UK are heavily involved in it and there are other yeah. parties involved as well to do with lobbying the government for musician visas and, um, yeah. you know, those kind of things that would um, alleviate the situation a lot. So it's not that the uh, opportunity to unite doesn't exist, but I suppose it's, um, you know knowing that these things are there is um is useful um, yeah yeah it is and um yeah i would really recommend people if we can put the link afterwards to visit ian smith's uh, website he has all the information free to access link to source material it's ukeartworks.info um and he's super up for calls or contacting him um but yeah it's, it's a important tool to have as musicians we also need to know apart from our uh, expertise and our in my case singing and all the skills that that requires i also need to know all the legal things that that involves mm. to be able to move around yeah i think it's important to have to be head on about that isn't it and not avoid it unfortunately even though it makes many of us want to hide under a duvet um there it's one of those essential skills that we have to have as musicians that are not to do with making music. <laughs> yeah. Un unfortunately, there there are some really boring bureaucratic things that you need to get there your are. head into. But um, yeah. from my personal case, if I hadn't dug deep enough into this super boring and annoying like law and lawyers lingo that you really have to Google every word that you read, yeah. I wouldn't be here. So there you are. Well, exactly. I'm very glad that you are, and um, I'm very, it, I'm very glad that the exceptional promise visa worked out for you because it's certainly, uh, certainly well deserved. <laughs> Thank you, Katie.
Thank you so much for, for coming on and talking to us about this. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Maria. Um, this area is so important to musicians. Um, this episode has been really clarifying and also you know, shown and understood how it can be a complete minefield. So uh, you can find more information on the website ukeartswork.info run by Ian Smith to help musicians cope with all the information you need, um, which Maria has recommended in today's episode. Or if you need help with your music career, including touring and visa support, you can find a strategic and supportive team at Polyphony Arts. For more free music business and mindset tips and thoughts, subscribe to MusicWorks on any podcast platform and sign up to our mailing list on our website, polyphonyarts.com slash mailing dash list. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this episode of the MusicWorks podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth, and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.